This week, there was some unsettling news that came out about substance abuse and autism. Previous studies that looked for a link between autism and substance abuse and didn't find one might not have studied enough people. It can be hard to find these people with both autism and substance abuse in structured treatment settings. Possibly, they didn't find anything before because they took data from people who were diagnosed long ago, before the criteria for an autism diagnosis was changed. Or maybe there's not a problem with substance abuse in people with autism. Unfortunately, a new study this week suggests that yes, in fact, people with autism do have a higher risk than the general population for substance-related problems. This study is unlikely to be underpowered because there were 26,000 people with autism studied. This is one of those Danish registry studies. The substance abuse problems they looked at included substance abuse disorder, somatic disease like liver disease related to alcohol misuse, and substance-related crime and death. Within the substance use disorder category, the highest risk was found for drug use disorder followed by tobacco, then alcohol use disorder. When the researchers adjusted for parental age, region of birth, education, and family income, it still didn't change the results. The highest risk of a substance use problem came when someone had both autism and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and the lowest risk came when someone had autism and intellectual disability. In other words, co-occurring ADHD was associated with further increased risk, whereas intellectual disability was associated with a lower risk. Why was this? Well, the authors did some adjustments to the data to test for different theories and concluded it was probably because in the presence of a substance abuse problem, the clinician was more likely to assign an ADHD as a comorbidity compared to an intellectual disability. So it had to do with a diagnostic bias, not anything specific to having ADHD and autism together. One important interesting thing about these findings was that the effects were stronger with the most recent scheme called the ICD-10. The ICD-10 is more like the DSM-4 or DSM-5 compared to the DSM-3. It could have been that a lack of effect in a previous study was because the criteria were so narrow in these previous diagnostic categories that it actually excluded those with substance abuse-related issues or just assigned them to other diagnoses completely. One thing I should also disclose is that these researchers found an increased risk of substance abuse problems in full siblings. I know I told you a few months ago about the results of a different study out of Finland that showed no increased risk of substance abuse disorder in siblings, but apparently in Denmark, they're not so lucky. What this does show is probably a genetic link, and given that people with autism have altered rewarding responses of faces and emotions in their brain, A similar pathway may be altering the rewarding aspects of drugs and alcohol. That's just one oversimplified theory of mine. But another more reasonable explanation is that people with high levels of anxiety, like those with autism and their siblings, tend to self-medicate. And although the rates of substance abuse were still higher compared to a control group, they are still lower to other clinical cohorts like those with schizophrenia who have a substance abuse disorder rate of up to 70%. I know that's not really comforting, but at least I tried. These studies mean that clinicians need to keep an eye open for substance abuse issues, and treatment for comorbid substance abuse problems in those with autism may need specialized treatment. Please try to watch the Autism BrainNet webinar, which is also posted on asfpodcast.org. It was really interesting, and we got lots of good questions at the end. 
The topic was chosen by people who wanted to know why brain tissue research is so important to understanding autism, and it focused on autism and epilepsy. Dr. Shafali Jesti and David Manasa talked about clinical features and neuropathological features, respectively, of people with autism and epilepsy. Thank you all for listening this week. I'm sorry there wasn't better news to report.